In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WABA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WABA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry for WABA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Well, folks, first of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you because many of you have partnered with us to assist the Afghan refugees who are resettling here in the DMV. Since the withdrawal of U.S. troops at the end of August, churches, ministries, believers from all over have come together to give their time and their money and many other resources to meet the urgent needs of our new neighbors. Well, today we want to take a look at what's working and what isn't. We want to see the individual. I love this, by the way. Mm. We want to see the individual rather than the situation. And we have guests today joining us who have been working with refugees as caseworkers and doing other ministry things for a long, long time. And especially in this situation, uh, we are so grateful to learn more from each one of them and and, and gain their perspectives. And of course, you know the drill. Here to get us started to introduce our guests for the day is my good friend, my co-host of Good News for the City, Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church. Hey, buddy, good to see you again, man. Yeah, Dennis, you know, we're grateful whenever anyone listens to Good News for the City and they hear about the importance of what it means to take the truth about Jesus Christ out into the neighborhood. But Mm -hmm. we're also Mm -hmm. aware that people listen to other radio shows or other forms and podcasts. Those are good. I I listen to them myself as well. And and recently I heard this statement. It really kind of stuck with a little bit that. We have a tendency as believers to like the inspiration without the perspiration needed. That person was talking about this idea that we like these great stories. We we like to hear the things that God are doing. But many times what we miss is the effort and the work that's needed by individuals that Jesus has called into this mission to make that inspirational story happen. And, And what I love about our guests today is not only are they there giving us inspiration, but they're right there on the front lines, doing the hard work and calling others to do hard work with them in this challenge that we have currently and showing the good news to so many Afghan refugees that are making their way right here to the Washington metro area. So I want to introduce you to our guest today. I want to welcome back uh, Reverend Mary Amendola Gardner. Uh, This is her third time on the show. So Dennis, I think she's actually gunning for one of our jobs. That could be possible. Uh, but uh, I agree with you, man. I'm yeah, but she's been such a great guest, and she is an Anglican. And priest. I think she's nicer than you and I. Well, and, that's. You know, I think uh, we all agree with that. Smarter yeah, so. than smarter than us, clearly. So. We're two for two on that one. So, uh, <laughs> but she is an Anglican priest, and she specifically, though, why we have her here today and have her on the show many times is that she's the director of One Heart DC's With Afghans Initiative. One Heart DC is one of the co-sponsors of Good News for the City, as you know, with WAVA. She is a spiritual director with Coracle and is currently pursuing a doctor of ministry and curating community through the arts. Our new guest today, though, 
I'm really glad to have with us is Pat Hatch. Uh, Pat, she was born in Buffalo, New York, and taught a mission school in South Korea in the late 1960s. In the 70s, she spent several years as a member of a team of church volunteers resettling refugees, that time primarily from Vietnam. So in 1981, she wound up founding her own Maryland nonprofit organization, which annually provides a variety of services to more than 2,000 refugees and immigrants from over 80 nations. After 16 years of directing that organization, she then accepted a position at the Maryland Office for Refugees and Asylees, the State Refugee Office, and she was first as a community liaison and then as a program manager for a decade until she retired in 2011. But apparently, retirement is not something that she takes easily. She doesn't kick back and start doing nothing because back in 2014, and, and I'm going to be honest, Dennis, not a lot of people lead with their age on this show, but I think this is really important. Because at the age of 70, not talking about that that is an old age, but telling us that no matter what age that you happen to be, you are still of service to Jesus if we say yes. Amen. He Amen. accepted the call to be the refugee and immigrant ministry director for the Presbyterian Church in America, Mission to North America. And so it is her excitement, her joy to come along PCA churches in the U.S. and Canada to encourage and support them as they reach out to refugees and other immigrants and international. So Pat, thank you for being on the show today. Mary, welcome back. Uh, so I'm going to start with you, Mary, uh, for the Hey Brian, listeners. let me just let me just jump in real quick. Yeah. Just just to say once again, once again on good news for the city, I am worn flat out by our guests because they put me to shame how much they're doing and maybe I'm not. God well we are fortunate in the quality of people that we have the opportunity to spend time with here on this show. I'm and you, man. Uh, Mary, people have listened to the show at all over the last six months. I have heard your voice several times talking about um, the Afghan refugee crisis and what has happened over in Afghanistan that many of us are aware of, us, some of them are not, and how God has allowed the churches in the Washington metro area to come alongside and be the hands and feet of Jesus to those refugees who have found their way right here to the DMV. So give us a quick update on what's been happening since you were last on the show. Well, what's been, well, first, just thanks for having me back again. It's a joy and a delight to be here. And I'm delighted that you have um, Pat. She has amazing things to share with us from her experience, past and present. We have learned that 58,000 Afghan refugees will begin to resettle into 200 cities across the U.S. So in one sense, this is just the very beginning of things. Also, the federal government has authorized um, SNAP food assistance for people who are under the parolee status. And this is good news because people won't go hungry when they have access to those benefits. Mm, that's wonderful. Now, we've talked about this before, but I think it serves as a reminder. Talk about this sort of arrival pathway for those who are coming from Afghanistan. And we've reminded people over and over again, I, I think we know this intellectually, but it serves as a really big reminder. They're not showing up with a U-Haul. Most no. of them are showing up no. with the clothes on their back. If they're yeah. fortunate, they have maybe a singular suitcase. And as you've reminded us in the past, that the government gives them some assistance, but not much, $1,200, if my memory serves me correctly, to completely resettle their whole lives. And most of us, we can't get through two weeks with everything yeah. else that we have in our lives with $1,200, and now they have nothing. So what yeah. does that pathway look like? Yeah, so for the arrival pathway, I think some people think people got on a plane in Kabul and then landed in the U.S. 
-hmm. And that certainly did happen in some cases. But for most Afghans arriving in the U.S., they fled Kabul. They landed in one of the U.S. military bases abroad or one of the Gulf states where they were held there under some very difficult circumstances. When they did fly to the U.S., they either came in through Washington Dulles Airport or through Philadelphia when they landed there, they were sent to something like the Dulles Expo Center, where there was very little privacy and many, many people um, crowded into one space. Once they spent time there, they either flew on to another um, US military base or uh, we have some military bases here locally where people were sent. Mm-hmm. Now that the US government will begin to settle people into communities, those people will go to a resettlement agency where they will either go to an Airbnb or to a hotel temporarily. And then once the resettlement agency helps them find housing, they will then move into housing. But again, that's just temporary because they're rentals. And we're grateful here, certainly, and good news for the city for your continual education for many of us who uh, are unaware of the realities of the process and the specific struggles that one would have. I mean, we know them in general, but the specific things that you're outlining is to help us just understand so many challenges that people who find themselves in refugee status from Afghanistan coming have to, to, to go over that hurdle. Now, now, Pat, you're not unaware of these. Uh, you've been involved with refugees and this ministry for a very long time. Tell us a little bit about your story. How did you develop a passion uh, for helping in this particular way, the people that Jesus died for? Thanks, Brian. I I think the first thing the Lord had to do with me is get me uncomfortable. Mm. And so he took me uh, from my, the comfort of my birthplace in Buffalo, New York, uh, to Seoul, Korea, where I was the, at that time, the odd person out in another culture. Uh, So um, I, my husband was uh, in the service and was a Korean linguist, but uh, I was not able to be stationed near him. So I worked for a Christian school and uh, was living on the economy in South Korea. So that was at the time of the Pueblo incident. So there were lots Mm. of sirens going off, lots of people running in all directions. And I was the one that didn't know what it meant and what to do. So I began to understand what it must feel like uh, to be a person who was the odd person out in another culture um, who found themselves suddenly in a situation they didn't understand. And so... Go ahead, please. Oh, no, I, I love that story because it's often how God points us in a calling. He allows some of that to percolate through our own experience. And we have a, cho- a choice then at that point to embrace it or, as some people said, or escape it. And, it, and you embraced it. And you enlisted that, that thing. And it, it brought you into a beginning to a volunteer, right, if I understand your story yeah, correctly? That's, yeah, that's correct. So one Sunday morning, uh, there was an announcement from the pulpit that they were looking for volunteers to work with Southeast Asian refugees. And Mm -hmm. I felt really called to that. So got my husband to take care of the kids. And I went to the meeting was a few minutes late. And they said, Oh, thank you for volunteering. But we might not need you. We've got a a flood of volunteers. And I said, Really, I would really love to do this. Isn't there any way I can be of help? Isn't there something that no one else wants to do? And they said, Well, we do need someone to pick up stool specimens from the refugees and deliver them to the local health department. Uh, So if you're willing to do that, come on in. And so I gulped and said, okay, yes, I'll do that. Mm, (laughs) And and that was the beginning of my uh, experience of learning to be obedient to the Lord 
in you know, uh, working with refugees. Every well, great leader, great story, I've, man. <laughs> every great leader great I've story. ever met first learned how to be a great servant, and that's a that is just absolutely a, a good example. Because I think oftentimes, Amen. you know, Amen. we say, "Hey, Jesus, I'm willing to do this in this ministry," and then He says, "Hey, go do this." And we're like, "When I said I was willing, I really had a set of parameters that I was willing to do." And but from that beginning, as a volunteer, eventually. You know, you made the transition to being uh, employed and a staff member and doing this. Talk about that a little bit and what was behind that passion, that move you from just doing this um, as something I want to volunteer. To, I want to take this vocationally off. Sure. Well, after two to three years of helping this team to resettle several, uh, in fact, about 20 refugee families from Southeast Asia, the, the committee began to dissolve. Mothers mm. uh, like myself uh, had children who are now going to school full time, so they were going to work. And as the committee began to dissolve, I realized that our refugees were struggling. They were really doing their very best, working a full time job and a part time job, but they still needed help. And beyond that, their family members were begging them, we're in refugee camp, please sponsor us. And so I reached out to the local uh, foundation and asked if there might be any opportunity to apply for a grant to start a nonprofit organization that would at least provide basic services. And God went before me. Um, I was able to enlist the local um, community college to sponsor the grant application. And that was the beginning of a nonprofit agency that thanks only to the grace of God is just celebrating its 40th anniversary now. Oh, wow. Yeah. wow, wow, that's, wow. That's Praise amazing. God. Now, I want to make some connections, if I can, for our listeners. Now, one of the things that they heard in your bio that eventually you became involved with refugee policy, and we could spend some time talking about that. But I, I want to, if I can, make this connection, your background and your experience. Um, there aren't a lot of people that necessarily that you meet say, hey, um, I've been through a process before that has a lot of refugees coming in. And so they may have some questions. One specifically is, with your background and experience uh, with in Korea and refugees coming from Vietnam and those sort of things. And now God in his sovereignty, right. And his providence has you some 40 odd years later, right here in the Washington Metro area, serving Afghan refugees. Could you talk about some of the similarities and maybe even big differences that exist between uh, refugees in different countries, going to different countries and different cultures, but some of the things are still the same. Sure. Um, both with Vietnamese refugees and with the Afghans who are coming now, the, the majority of them were our allies and we're mm -hmm. working very closely with the U.S. government or with U.S. aid organizations. And so uh, immediately we have an affinity with them because they were the ones protecting our troops. They were the ones working alongside our doctors, etc. cetera. Um, when the Vietnamese refugees came, there was no infrastructure but there was an all-out effort by the U.S. government to go to Indian Town Gap, for instance, in Pennsylvania, one of four locations to which the Vietnamese refugees were first taken. And uh, there was a rallying cry across the country, and people responded uh, wholeheartedly. We're seeing that kind of response once again, a bipartisan response, because people realize that Vietnamese refugees who came are now part of the fabric of our nation. And they are our doctors and they are our attorneys, they're uh, our entrepreneurs, etc. So many, uh, many similarities. One difference is 
that people who are coming from Afghanistan right now are coming at a moment in time when the refugee agencies are really struggling. And that is because they're paid on a reimbursement basis from the State Department. And that, therefore, their strength depends on how many refugees were resettled the year before. Last year was the lowest number of refugees in several decades. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the staffing is very, very low. So there's a tremendous need for churches to come alongside these resettlement agencies if these Afghans are to get the kind of welcome that we all want them to have. And that's some good insight that maybe our listeners didn't know of and I wasn't aware of when it came about the funding. We recently did another conversation with you, Mary, and another guest on was talking about um, the reduction in refugees that had happened due to policy and those sort of things the years before. And now they were talking about in two months, they worked with more refugees than they had in the first last two years combined. And so some of those challenges are unique. And I love the fact, though, that, that your sense of history, Pat, for those who may wonder, hey, you know, where is this leading? How do they how do they come and integrate into a new culture and then not always be in a situation where um, they're feeling like they're outside of the culture, but they can, as America has been called since the beginning, a melting pot. Uh, how do they come into this melting pot, given this perspective, 40 years now removed in many ways from a lot of the Vietnamese refugees? How do you see the opportunities now for a lot of those who come from Afghanistan to see the same things occur? I think people who are welcomed become more and more like the welcomers. Mm. And so a lot of this is on us. The Afghans will uh, become part of our culture as we welcome them. And so uh, today's Afghan children are likely to become the teachers, engineers, nurses, doctors, tech innovators, and entrepreneurs that will help America to thrive. But it will depend on our welcome. I think back to my Scottish grandfather who warned me when I was playing with my playmates from Italy, um, Ireland, and Germany, that they would never really assimilate. And looking back (laughs) generations later at how ridiculous the statement that was, I think gives me uh, encouragement to say that every generation has said that the newcomers will not assimilate, but the children assimilate at breakneck speed so quickly that it frightens their parents, quite frankly. (laughs) You know, and we as believers have such an amazing opportunity and role to play in this. The tagline of this show, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the people of the gospel that helps make that a way. And so I want to go back to you, Mary, and we talk about your involvement with the With Afghans Initiative. And so just a moment, I want to say this, if you've not heard it before, not heard us talk about it, the way you can find out more information is go to oneheartdc.org forward slash Afghans. That is plural with an S on the end, Afghans, as a church or some individuals. Let's talk about some examples of that, of how churches, what they're doing or individuals around that. Yeah, there's things churches can do now, and there's going to be things that churches can do in the future. So the now things are to prepare and train your volunteers to teach ESOL to help with legal aid. Um, Some churches now are renting apartments and paying rent for Afghans. Not every church can afford to do that. So other churches are giving money towards rental assistance to the resettlement agencies. Um, Some churches are holding phone, computer, and gift card drives to give to resettlement agencies. Why gift cards? Gift cards are vital. Without it, some Afghan families go hungry. They are dependent on some of the resettlement agencies for their basic daily needs. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And finally, in the future, in-kind donations, um, people will be able to give goods in the future. So those are some ways. And then get on our mailing list. Yeah, I appreciate that. And just as a reminder, as you mentioned, Mary, not everyone has the same amount of resources, but that's not what God looks for in our heart. You know, equal effort doesn't mean equal resources. God looked at the woman who gave him the widow's might and said, no one has given as much as her, yet what she had from an earthly standpoint wasn't a lot, but it was a reflection of her heart. And so as you may find yourself thinking about how I might get involved, don't don't really think about what my resources are and let that limit you. Say, what is God specifically asking me to do in this effort? Now, Pat, what's one thing you would like listeners to know about refugees or maybe about Afghan refugees in particular that you find there's a gap? Maybe people don't aren't aware of that. Well, I think scripture tells us that they are loved dearly by God. So Acts 17, 26 and 27 tells us it's God who ordains the dwelling place and the times that people are where they are and the movement of people so that they might seek him and perhaps find him. So whatever brings the Afghans to the U.S., in their case, seeking safety, God has a sovereign purpose mm. and we must be part of that sovereign purpose because it doesn't happen in a vacuum. He yeah. brings them near so that we who know him might be able to love them into the kingdom. Um, and then oh. just, just quickly, it's a long process for yeah. those who grew up in a Muslim background. It is not going to be an overnight process that they will come to know him. Mm. They'll come to know him through long-term redemptive relationships authentic relationships with Christians. Pat, I wish people could see my face because I'm amening you with my head. That'll preach. (laughs) I love that Acts 17 passage when we understand that God is still sovereignly on his throne. And that if he placed someone in a particular position at a particular time, there's no mistake in that. And he has a purpose. He wants us to walk in in that way. Now in this last minute, minute and a half or so, Mary, uh, how can we be praying uh, for what's going on right now? When I think of the incoming Afghans, I think of Jesus's words and the parable of the Good Samaritan. First, I want to pray for Afghans to settle well, heal, and thrive. And secondly, I want to pray for us as a body of Christ, that we would be modern day Samaritans, giving of our time, talent, and treasure to serve others. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that's such an amazing example when we look at scripture Uh, That this isn't necessarily about when you look at the Jewish person versus the Samaritan, they had nothing in common. This is not about what we physically have in common, but it is about the fact that the one thing every human being that's ever existed has in common, and that is the imprint of the image of God above them. And then the second thing that they have in common is that every single person ever born, is born, or will be born has been loved by Jesus enough that he died for them. And so in that way, just that is such a passionate reminder about how we should live. And so, Pat, I just want to say thank you for spending some time with us today on the show. I would love to spend like an hour or two hours talking to you. I would enjoy it. I'm not sure if anyone would listen to me that long talk, but I would listen to you talk about that. Thank you for bringing not only your knowledge, but your personal experience to play in this. I think it makes such a huge difference. And Mary, again, thank you for what you're doing with the One Heart DC and the With Afghans initiatives. And for the people listening right now on the show, whether they're listening live on WAVA or whether they're grabbing on podcasts, don't miss the opportunity that God is putting right here before us in the Washington metro area to live out the good news of the gospel to the people around us. Right, Dennis? And, you know, it's, it's, you're so right, brother. And I, you know, I know that folks listen and they get inspired, but man, being able to be a part of this every single time we do this, Brian, I'm inspired by you ladies. I'm inspired by you today and what you're doing. And 
And God is using you and many of our guests in our lives to make us better people and better pastors and better believers. So thank you so much for both of you. Folks, if you want to hear this again, and I, I really urge you to do so, go to goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. If you want any more information, you can always call me here at the station, 703-807-2266. And remember, for more information uh, about the refugees and helping the Afghans at this point, you can go to oneheartdc.org forward slash Afghans. Again, that's oneheartdc.org forward slash Afghans. And you can get all the information again. Uh, Folks, thank you for joining us today. We'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.